You are listening to Books Are My People, a bi-weekly podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 22. My name is Jennifer Calogaris, and I am still your host. I am recording on Sunday, May 3rd, down to the wire, blew it off all week, Um, And this week, our family passed our 50th day staying home, which I can't even believe it's been 50 days. I feel like some days it feels like we've been here for just a couple days, and some days it feels like we've been here for years and years. If you hear some construction noise in the background, my husband is currently making my 14-year-old some sort of skateboarding ramp, which sounds totally safe for quarantine. I finished Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu, and I think the sound eh, best sums up the series for me, but I am looking forward to Normal People based on Sally Rooney's wonderful novel, um, as well as The Great, which is about Catherine the Great, and that premieres on Hulu on May 15th. You all know how much I love a period piece. We had a little bit of a broody chicken situation. For those of you who do not know, when a chicken goes broody, which usually happens in the springtime, they really want to have some babies. And their body tells them that they should be having babies. And their body gets a little bit extra hot. And they sit on not only their eggs, but anyone who lays an egg, a broody chicken will rush over and sit on that egg, hoping for some babies. We have no roosters, therefore there are no babies, Um, but they don't understand that. So they just sit and sit and sit and they stop laying their own eggs. And broodiness is actually a socially contagious disease. So we had, it's not a disease, it's a socially contagious disorder, syndrome, I don't know what you call it. Um, But we did have one chicken that went broody. So we, the way to break a chicken of its broodiness is to separate it from the flock. So we brought her into the garage to a little um, coop that we made in there for one night. And then she went back and was fine, but not without uh, passing it along to another chicken. So we had to bring her inside and I might or might not have Googled how to make uh, homemade chicken diapers (laughs) Um, with a little bit of time on my hand in the quarantine. I made a chicken diaper and she was able to walk around the house for a couple hours while uh, my husband was away at work Um, and that was something new but now she is back out with the coop and everyone is laying eggs and all is well on our little farm in Los Angeles and on to some bookish news The novel Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides is headed to TV. It won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction back in 2003. And I love this book. I have such fond memories of reading this with uh, a little book club. I had a book club of four people, and that was one of the books we read. It's a wonderful book, and I'm so curious to see how they will translate it to the TV. Pop Sugar has started a virtual book club, um, and I thought this would be fun if you're interested in joining a book club, but you don't really have one yet um, and just want to dip your toe in the virtual book club world. So they're offering a book club for anybody, 
And if you are itching for a wider community book club, this could be a good place to start during quarantine. The amazing Beverly Cleary turned 104 on April 24th, so a happy belated birthday to her. I grew up reading all of her books. I can picture all of her paperbacks on my bookshelf. Ramona Quimby was definitely one of my favorites, and I always just loved how scrappy she was as a character. Unsurprisingly, Comic-Con International has canceled the 2020 San Diego Comic-Con conference, um, obviously as a coronavirus safety measure, but this was supposed to be the 50th anniversary of the convention, so I'm sure there are a ton of people who are disappointed by this news. I'm just whizzing through the news today. I just got short, snappy news bits for you. Having just finished Emily St. John Mandel's The Glass Hotel, which I talked about on the last episode, I was so excited to learn that she will be speaking at the Los Angeles Times Book Club. Hey, there's another book club you can join online on May 19th to discuss not only Station Eleven, which is about the aftermath of a pandemic and feels very timely, but she will also talk about, of course, her latest book, The Glass Hotel. And I believe I have talked about how Station Eleven is slated to become a TV series. I was hoping it would come out right now because that would be just perfect. But I think it's not coming out until October. Mandel will be in conversation at 7 p.m. on May 19th um, in a virtual book club meetup live streamed on the LA Times Facebook page, as well as on YouTube. And I will leave a link in the show notes about this event. So I've decided I have been suffering from reader's block lately. After many years of dipping in and out of writer's block, I am currently in a definite reader's block, just having a really hard time concentrating and sustaining, not just reading, but really any one activity for very long. Uh, But the New York Times is here to help. They recently shared a great list of books that you can read and finish in a day. So some of the offerings there include Jenny Offal's book, Weather, uh, which I talked about on a previous episode. Uh, One of my favorite short fiction collections ever is on the list, and that is Birds of America by Lori Moore. And I often use her story, Who Will Run the Frog Hospital?, when I teach short fiction at UCLA. Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's book, very short book, We Should All Be Feminists, is on there, and it's also an imperative and excellent read. Um, And a ton of other books for those of you with fleeting attention spans like my own. uh, Peruse the list and see what you find. I will leave a link to this list in the show notes section. And that is it for my fuzzy news edition. Can you tell I've had a lot of coffee? I've had a lot of coffee and I had a really good night's sleep last night. So I am feeling ready to face the world or at least my house. Now on to the books. So I finally was able to read enough over the past two weeks to bring back five picks this week. I know I was coming up short, but I got my reading mojo back and I am so excited to share all of these books with you. And I'm really excited about all the books coming out, although publishers keep pushing back the dates, but that's okay. I will be patient. I'm going to start with my 
favorite of the bundle of five for this week. And that is a book that came out in 2018. I somehow missed it. It is called Pretend I'm Dead by Jen Began. And I wanted to thank Simon and Schuster for sending me this book. So I think on around episode maybe four of this podcast, maybe earlier, I did a show with my dad, who is also a writer and an avid reader, and we discussed specifically weird and wonderful books. And this book definitely falls under that category. It's essentially about an offbeat misfit named Mona, who's almost 24 years old, and she cleans houses for a living. She also volunteers at her local needle exchange, uh, where IV drug users come and get clean needles and bring their dirty needles. And it's here that she meets Mr. Disgusting, which is what she calls him. Um, He is two decades older than her. He's a drug user, and he uses the exchange service where she's volunteering. So they don't exchange words, just needles. Um, But he becomes very much a fantasy for her. She daydreams about him a lot while she's cleaning homes. She wonders what it's like to make out with him. um, And she just can't stop thinking about him. And all the while, she's still referring to him as Mr. Disgusting. But um, they eventually end up in a relationship with one another. And guess what? She still calls him Mr. Disgusting. Um, I'm not even sure. I can't remember if we ever even learn his real name. But they begin to open up so much in their relationship. They're both whip smart and funny. I laughed out loud so much when I was reading this book. Uh, Mr. Disgusting lives in an apartment where they have to collect Mona's driver's license every time she comes for a visit. There are a lot of wayward and lost characters living in this building, and they kind of pop in and out of the couple's lives. The writing in the book is so sharp and funny, um, especially during the first half. I really laughed a lot. The book surprisingly takes place over a long stretch of time, but it doesn't feel like one of those like fast epic where you feel like time is just moving kind of slowly because it's taking so long. The pace of the book is really fast, even though um, there are kind of years in between different points in the book. And the people whose homes Mona cleans end up being just as colorful as the main characters. It's funny and weird, and it's also incredibly moving about one woman's look at her own life choices and how one person can make such a profound impact on someone's life. The book is grungy and raunchy in places. It's introspective and moving in other places. And if you're the sort of reader who can hang with an off-kilter narrative and off-kilter characters, then I think this is the book for you. And again, it's called Pretend I'm Dead by Jen Began. My next pick came just at the right time in my reading rut. I wanted something I could really sink my teeth into and found it in The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. And I would file this book under Horror Light. But if that turns you off, hold on, because it really was light on the very light side. Um, Grady Hendrix is the author of Horror Store. I'm not sure if I've talked about that book on this podcast before, but um, this is a book of his that I had previously read. It takes place 
in a version of an Ikea store. And I had to buy that, that book because the whole book is laid out like an Ikea catalog uh, with a narrative interspersed between ads for ridiculously named furniture. It's just a fabulous book to own. I love it. Anyhow, this book, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, takes place in Charleston and starts with a group of housewives in 1988 who are attending their usual monthly book club. The story revolves around Patricia Campbell. She is married to a psychiatrist and has two kids. So on this day, it's her turn to lead the discussion, but she hasn't even read the book. So she's kind of looking around the book club, wondering why is she even there? She doesn't like the books that they read. She doesn't really like most of the people who are at the book club. And she kind of ends up staging a coup against the snooty host and walking out of that book club forever. But she soon finds some kindred spirits and they start their own book club. And instead of kind of reading what they think they ought to read, they start reading what they want to read, which is true crime. So they're finding this much more fun and they start opening up to one another. She's forming some deep friendships. Soon enough, true crime comes to Charleston and to their book club. A stranger named James Harris moves down the street and the women are fascinated with him. He's attractive. He's mysterious. He's a night owl. And Patricia's mother-in-law, who lives with them, insists that she knows him. But she's suffering from dementia, so she's not that reliable. Um, But then a series of horrific crimes begin to sweep through Charleston, and Patricia has her own ideas about who is committing them. So I read this just after finishing the first season of True Blood, but I was definitely still hungry for some more vampire stories. So For me, this book came at the perfect time. I am a reader who spooks really easily. I do not watch scary movies, Um, but this book was not too scary for me to read. That's why I keep saying it's horror light. It is about vapid suburbia, good versus evil, and a woman coming into her own in her place in her family. I loved it so much. I read it in one day because I really couldn't stop reading it. The cover's amazing. It's these two luscious peaches and one has clearly been bitten by a vampire and there's blood trickling down the peach. The book is really funny, totally entertaining. And again, that is The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendricks. Up next is a nonfiction pick. I feel like I haven't been reading that much nonfiction lately. Um, This book feels either like the perfect pick for this current moment or perhaps a horrible pick, depending on what type of mental state you happen to be in right now. It is called The Lonely City Adventures in the Art of Being Alone by Olivia Lang. Lang's previous books include The Trip to Echo Spring about famous alcoholic writers and To the River about where Virginia Woolf drowned herself. Olivia Lang looks deeply at the notion of being alone through various cultural references. She begs the question, what does it mean to be alone, especially vis-a-vis living in a highly populated city like New York, where she lives, 
And why do people have so much trouble talking about loneliness? People open up pretty easily when they're mad or sad, if you ask them how they are, but we really are hard-pressed to hear a friend say, I'm feeling alone. She talks about how essentially everyone is essentially unknowable, and therefore to be home is to be alone, to be alive is to be alone. Lang merges memoir and philosophy and cultural critique throughout this book. She talks about artists and how loneliness translates to their work. She even talks about her own heartbreak and how approaching her mid-30s made her really want to explore this issue of loneliness. And she describes being lonely as akin to feeling hungry, like you're missing something. She heavily credits the artist David Wojnarowicz, I'm sure I'm not saying that right, um, with releasing her from being shameful about feeling alone. I ended up looking at some of his work online, and it is very intense. I think if you're interested in a deep dive in a particular topic, this book is for you. If you like a book that explores different modalities of a singular topic, this book is for you. And if you're a fan of Maggie Nelson's writing, I think this is really right up there in terms of quality. But like I said, this might not be the time to explore loneliness if this pandemic has exacerbated that feeling. Um, But maybe it will make you feel comforted because none of us are alone in our loneliness. Um, I'm feeling the intense desire to be alone currently because I have been cooped up with the same three other people for so long. Um, So as a person who spends a lot of time alone and can only write when they're alone, I'm feeling on the flip side of this. But Anyhow, next up is a suspense novel called The Dilemma by B.A. Paris. This book has a very simple premise, but it's all about the unfolding and the twists and turns that happen along the way. Livia and Adam are married. They live in England. They have a child in high school, Josh, who's about to graduate, and an older daughter, Marnie, who is living in Asia. Livia, the mom, is about to turn 40, And everything in the book is leading up to her big 40th birthday bash, which she's been planning and envisioning in as much detail as one might a wedding. Livia never had the wedding of her dreams because she got pregnant with her older daughter at 19 and was soon after disowned by her own parents. So this 40th birthday party becomes a surrogate for many missing things in her life. Livia is relieved that her daughter Marnie is living abroad and won't be able to come to the party. She loves her daughter, but finds her emotionally draining, and her husband Adam dotes on the daughter a bit too much for her liking, and her daughter's always surrounded by drama, so she's just happy to celebrate without her. Meanwhile, Adam, the husband who doesn't know any of her inner complexities swirling around his wife's head, has gone behind her back to give her a lovely birthday surprise and help fly Marnie home from Asia for the big party. So this is one of those books that it's really hard to talk about without giving away any spoilers. So I'm going to stop with the plot here, but obviously something happens, which sets off a chain of events and the characters end up revealing 
Secrets. It's a book about timing and how people try to reconcile being their authentic selves without disappointing others. If you're looking for a fast-paced suspense novel, then this is for you, and that is The Dilemma by B.A. Paris. My fifth and final pick for the week is a commercial novel called In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. Searle is best known for her novel The Dinner List, which I have not read, but maybe some of you have. In Five Years is about Danny Cohen, who's 28 years old and living with her boyfriend David in Manhattan. She's about to be interviewed for her dream job as a lawyer at a top law firm. She has a lot of expectations about her life, including exactly what kind of job she'll have and where she's going to live and marrying her boyfriend and exactly how her future will look like. So after the interview, which she nails, David takes her out to dinner and proposes in the most perfect way possible. This happens very early on in the novel, so I'm really not spoiling anything here. And after a big night out, they come home and Danny falls into a very deep sleep. And in this deep sleep, she dreams about an alternate future that's five years later. She sees everything very clearly. It's one of those really vivid dreams. And she is specifically in this dream living in Brooklyn. And there's a man in her bed. She assumes, of course, it's David, her fiance, but it's not. Um, She's trying to figure out who she is and who this guy next to her is. And she finds out that his name is Aaron Gregory. And it's one of those life-altering dreams that shakes her to her core. So she wakes up from the dream, but it's shifted something inside of her. It's making her question her life choices. She can't stop thinking about it. Even though all she wanted to do was get married to David, and now she's finally engaged, she keeps blowing the wedding off. And then all of a sudden, five years have gone by. Her best friend, Bella, is very excited to introduce her to her new boyfriend. And they go out to dinner to meet him. And it turns out it is Aaron Gregory, the man from her dream five years earlier. So this is where I will stop. This is one of those books that felt like it was going to be very predictable, Um, but it actually took a totally different and much more thoughtful and interesting direction than I was anticipating, which I loved. It ended up being a really moving and sad book. So if you like the concept of the movie Sliding Doors, I think you'd like this book, although it's not, the format is not presented in the same way. Um, but be prepared for the fact that it's not a light beach read. It just went a lot deeper than I was expecting it to. And again, that's In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. And that is all from my end this week. All of the books and links to purchase them at my local independent bookstore, Diesel Books, can be found in the show notes of this podcast or at booksaremypeople.com. And if you want to reach out and say hello, please do so at booksaremypeople at gmail.com. I have a few guest authors lined up for summer already, so stay tuned for that. And currently, I am reading Lady in Waiting, My Extraordinary Life in the Shadow of the Crown by Anne Glenn Connor. I'll be back in 14 days and maybe quarantine-free, and I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week.